Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bitter Rivals podcast, episode 86, which was hard to come to the conclusion of. We are very bad at keeping track of what episode it is, but it is episode 86, powered by the game Entertainment and Media. Coming at you is uh, your co-hosts, myself, Avery Roche, and Gatano Gallo on the other end of things. Uh, I'm your Leafs fan, he's your Habs fan, and let's get right to it with some some Leafs conversation. So, um, Ryan O'Reilly scored a hat trick. That was really cool. That was really, really cool. (laughs) Two of the goals were 37 seconds apart in the first period against Buffalo. Uh, It was a, I want to say, a 5-3 final in that game. I I believe it was. Uh, It was 5-0, though, uh, or 4-0, anyway. I I forget the – I think it might have actually ended up even being a 6-3 with the empty netter. I think it was 5-3, and then the O'Reilly empty netter for the hat trick made it a a 6-3 final. But anyway – the Leafs really, really did not need to allow three goals in that game, and they did anyway, so that was annoying. Um, but overall, they came out, like, that was one of the best first, that was the best period I've seen the Leafs play this year, the first period of that game, when I believe it was four by the end of the first period. Yeah. And it was, it. and it was just straight dominance. Like, they had, like, 20 shots on goal compared to, like, seven or eight for Buffalo. It was just straight dominance from goaltending to defensively to they didn't even have to play defense because they just played offense the whole time it was unbelievable um and yeah of course ryan o'reilly after going goalless in his first two games as a leaf scores a hat trick which uh i i've not screamed at my tv like that after the second one went in since i was like 10 years old like it was just elation pure elation i was so happy to see it uh, and then there was a big break after that between games. The Leafs played uh, the Minnesota Wild on Friday night. Uh, defensive battle. Just an absolute war of attrition that game. And that's how Minnesota plays. Their name is really, really misleading. Like, really, really misleading. They are not wild. They are very, very <laughs> structured. And they can suffocate you. Like that's And that's what they did. They, they held us to... Minimal shots. Their goaltender played a great game. Samsonov played a great game. Um, the first goal in that game was a weird one. Weird goal to end the weirdest period I think I've ever seen. It was like kind of from behind the net off of Samsonov. Was that was that like a the triple deflection off a bunch of skates there? And then oh. it, yeah, it's, it's just it. It's one of those goals. It's like it, it's not like we did anything wrong defensively or anything like no. that. It just it went in, you know. Uh, so that was that sucked, and then it was, uh, it was J- William Nylander to David Kampf. Uh, William Nylander is going to be a theme here. William Nylander to David Kampf. Uh, Nylander with a great play in the offensive zone takes the puck from one side of the goaltender behind the net to the other side. Completely outweights everybody. Waits for David Kampf to get perfect position and is stick down about two feet in front of the the near post. Pass, top shelf, tie game. Uh, again, a war of attrition, battles, and some questionable refereeing, um, as per usual. But that game ends when William Nylander maybe scores the Leafs' goal of the year. Might be goal of the year to this point. It's hard to... It, it, there's a couple of beauties that have been scored from Mitch Marner scoring a couple of wild goals. John Tavares has had a couple. Willie himself has had a couple. Actually, all three of his overtime winners on the season have been just insane individual efforts. Like, ridiculous. The one on Tarasenko where he steals the puck at his blue line, comes in on the breakaway, scores. 
the next one was against the uh, Florida Panthers. And he just walks from his blue line around three guys, scores. And the game against uh, the Friday night game against Minnesota was walks around the offensive zone for a bit, goes into the corner, loses the puck. Everybody starts head- heading back south. Instead of giving up on the puck like he most likely would have done two years ago, one-handed stick lift, steals the puck, steals the defender's lunch money, dangles Gustafson, and scores right under the arm. Unbelievable stuff. I, I just, he's quite clearly the Leafs MVP this year, and it's not getting enough talk. It seriously is not getting, because, and I think it's a lot of disappointment with the fact that our MVP of the league hasn't been the MVP of our team this year. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of the conversation comes from or, or lack of conversation around William Nylander comes from. Um, but he's been quite clearly the MVP of the team. And this is a guy who we in Leafs Nation watched sit games because he wasn't aggressive and and wasn't responsible enough for Sheldon Keefe's liking. We, we watched him sit games, like healthy. We watched William Nylander get healthy. I don't think there's a guy who's better at that on the team this year. Those three, the three of them are ridiculous. Like, John DeVars is old, so we're going to count it. But Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander are, are three of the sneakiest good defensive players in the league. They're so it's, like, it, it's not even sneaky good anymore, though. It's just good. Like, and I don't like admitting that, but like, yeah, there's nothing sneaky about it anymore. Like, a couple of years ago, they were sneaky good. Now they're just... Like, Patrice Bergeron is not sneaky good defensively. He just is. And, like, Matthews okay. and Marner and Nylander, they just are. They are. They're so... And that's the buy-in that we've really wanted to... Like, that's what everybody was complaining about. That's what everybody's been complaining about for five years with this hockey team, right? Is that they don't have that commitment on the right on that side of the puck. But they're... Like, those three are... They're juggernauts on that side of the puck now. I don't think anybody can really argue that. They're so damn good. They do all the right things from puck battles to getting in the right lanes to blocking shots. Like Austin Matthews leads the team in block shots for, for forwards. That to me. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> that to me. But that's just, I, I know yeah. where you're coming from. But yeah, that just yeah. to me shows the commitment that from. he has on that side of the puck. Like it really yeah. is. Did you see the play he made with his skate? He lost his uh, yeah. stick making a defensive play, and then he messied those guys. He fully messied them. It was unreal. I've never seen anybody even try that, let alone pull it off. That was crazy. Yeah, that was impressive. That was impressive, for sure. Yeah, and it's those little plays. It's Mitch Marner getting in the re- creating two-on-ones on the penalty kill. It, it's it's Willie stealing pucks in the offensive zone and scoring overtime winners. It's, it's Austin leading the team in... in shot blocks like it's it's not what you'd expect right when you look at this team and the way they're built you wouldn't and and the prowess that they all have offensively you just don't see that anymore where you have guys that can do both on a very very high level and like three of them on the same team yeah no uh yeah there's there's like only a few guys in that category to have three of them on a team is disgusting yeah, and it's you're talking about like what, like I don't think Nylander's not hit 100 points. Yet, but he's but hit but like what, 80, 90? At this point, no. I believe actually him and Mitch Marner are 
they've been going back and forth for leading the team in points, and I think they just broke 70. No, I, I, I mean, like, Park career, though. 70, I don't believe Nylander's broken 70 yet. C- career, though. Like, like Nylander's not a 100-point guy yet? Oh, no. Nylander's, I think, had his la- best season last year, and he was just over, just a, right around a point a game. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so, anyway, so you're talking about point-a-game players or more uh, who are also, like, elite defensively? Yeah, it's just unheard of, really. Well, it, it, let's honestly, who's a better shooter in the NHL than Austin Matthews? Ovechkin is going to be my guy until he retires, and then, and then, yeah, it's Matthews. <laughs> who's a better passer in the league than Mitch Marner? Nobody. I'm sorry. I've watched him play for. There's nobody that can pass the puck like him. Like, there's not a single. Sidney Crosby. Sidney no. Crosby. Nope. No, Sidney Crosby is great at a lot of things, but he is not a better passer of the puck than Mitch Marner. He just isn't. Agree to disagree. Agreed. I, I, yeah, not, not that Marner's bad, but I... Ask Ryan O'Reilly about how good of a passer Mitch Marner is. Actually, I'll give you a quote from Ryan O'Reilly on his hat trick. Well, you could have put a peewee kid on that line with Mitch and he would have scored a hat trick. He's right. He's 100% right. Because what it is, is as long as you have your stick on the ice, and and everybody knows when you're playing with him, just put your stick on the ice and watch him. Don't take your eyes off of him as long as he has the puck. And the issue, what happens there, and the issue becomes defensive players think that way too. Because as soon as he touches the puck, everybody takes a step back and goes, oh no, what are we going to do right now? And then that forces you to put yourself in positions that he wants you to be in. And he just makes the most ridiculous seam passes. He creates angles that aren't there to make passes. Like the first Ryan O'Reilly goal, nobody even thought like he, it wasn't possible to get it through that defenseman. But the way that he maneuvers his stick around the guy and also the way the guy reacts to him because he's Mitch Marner allows him to get that puck over to O'Reilly on the back door. Right. And it's, it's just, it's an art form. And I don't think there's anybody in the league that comes even close to matching. I really don't. You know, I, I can't, I can't just like what you're saying is not false. I just like, so when you say like, who's the best passer in the league, you know, I go like, if I'm down a goal in the fucking last minute of the Stanley Cup final, who do I want with the puck to set up a tie goal and Sidney Crosby every time? Mick okay, no, that's not there. the question I asked. I didn't. I didn't no, ask. Like, you, like, like, you know I mean? didn't like, ask you like, who's the greatest passer of all time because that's a different no, no, story. It's, it's not. It's not greatest passer of all time, but you know, like, I want the best passer in the league to be having the puck in those moments, right? Yeah, and I believe that would be, like Mitch Marner's your guy there, be, and, and, I, and I believe Sidney Crosby would be the guy there. Okay, why? I, why? No, like seriously, I'm think, asking you why. I think over the last 20 years, uh, Crosby's, his vision and like what he does, uh, is, is it 20, is it been, yeah, it's been just about 20 years. Uh, so yeah, Mitch I Martin think was born in 1997, 20 years ago, he would have been six years old. No, no, I'm talking uh, Crosby. Yeah, no, but I'm talking about Mitch Marner. And, and I'm talking Crosby and I'm saying okay, he's, so, he's done it I'm at sure, this level. I'm he's sure. done it at this level over the last like 20 odd years, whatever he's been in the league. It's been like 17, whatever. Um, I just, I think that Crosby, and he's just a better, I think he's just a better passer. I think he's, I just think he's better. That's it. 
Like, I don't know what more you want from me there. I think I think Crosby's a better passer than Marner. That isn't to say Marner's not a good one. I just think Crosby's better. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to have to disagree because I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. You couldn't prove your point. I, the, what, what what point do you want me to prove? I, I don't know. Pull that... up stats. How many? Uh, pull up pull up apples. Pull up the most assists in a season. Pull up. Uh, let me get fucking Crosby's thing up here. How many games of Sidney Crosby have you watched over the last 20 years? Seriously. So many. It's a lot more than I'd like to admit. Because I don't think it's that many. I think you're over. I think you're. You're overselling it here. I think. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to fire up a debate here, but you can't challenge me on that. Mitch Miner is the best passer in the NHL, and it's not even close. And I think Sidney Crosby is like, but it's yeah, so not what, like it's. It's just not close. All right. So what? What do you? What do you want from Crosby's stats? So let's just go assist leaders in the NHL. So. So this year, holy cow, man. Oh, this is last year. I have last year, and Crosby actually finished ahead of Marner last year. So Crosby had... Apples, apples, apples. Is this playoffs? That was playoffs. So, Sidney Crosby last year had 53 assists. And Marner had 62. So, there we go. I mean, Marner also played with a 60-goal score. Uh, Sidney Crosby did not. Actually, no, uh, Austin, Matt, and that's actually something where I want a good, uh, it's a good little bit of a segue here. He did not. Uh, Austin Matthews plays with William Nylander. John Tavares plays with Mitch Marner. Last La- season, though. Last, last season, though, Okay, was, yes, we're talking about Marner Matthews. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the Marner-Matthews bunting line. Sorry, I'm yeah. forgetting. Uh, yeah, no but good little segue because it's been switched up again. Mitch Marner is playing on a line with uh, Austin Matthews and Michael Bunting again, and we have William Nylander playing with Tavares and O'Reilly. That is a change from what we've seen since O'Reilly's been a Leaf, but I love the flexibility that we have now. It's unreal. It's so nice to see. And it turns out that all we really needed for, like, we didn't need to get a winger for John Tavares. We just needed John Tavares to be a winger, which I think is crazy. Also, weird. <laughs> yeah, I know, but he's slower now, and centers need to be fast. So, see, but I would, I like, because my instinct would be, I want my speed on the wings. You know what I mean? I so mean, that's, it's a weird, weird change up. But yeah, well, I think a player, a player is think, smart and as good as him will be fine anywhere. Yes, I think the big thing there too is Ryan O'Reilly's like seventy percent on the draws <laughs> since he's become a Leaf, and also is a top five Selkie vote getter each of the last four or five seasons. So you want that guy up the middle, I think. But you also have the option to go Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly as your top three centers, which come playoff time, I feel like is probably more likely to happen because 
you're just going to be able to overwhelm third lines with your third line if Ryan O'Reilly's centering it, is how I feel. And teams like Boston, teams like Tampa, you're 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 going to need to match them line for line because they're good. They're really good. And Boston just got better by adding Orlov and Hathaway. Um, yeah, they're, we've talked about it at length on this show, so we don't have to give it a lot more time, but Boston is so goddamn scary. They are one of the most, they might be one of the best teams in NHL history this year, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm uh, trying off the top of my head think of a more, other than that one Tampa Bay season, where yeah. they put up like 120-something points and then got swept. Um, I can't think of a regular season better than this. They're just rolling over everybody. Yeah. And, like, their goaltenders got got a goal. Their goaltender <laughs> scored last night. Yeah, he did. Linus Ulmer. I saw something. He should have allowed He should have allowed one so that he and got, I got the game, the game winner. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But, uh, anyway, yeah, Boston's horrifying, and I think... That's who you're lining up to beat. That's who you got to try to find a way to beat. Well, Tampa first. You got to get through Tampa. I think everybody in the league right now, though, is going, Boston is going to be a team that we're going to have to beat at some point if we want to do oh, yeah. the playoffs. Like, that's just, you're not, they're not, Boston's not a team I think is going to, because that's the thing about them. They're not going to be a team that bows out in the first round. Boston is built for playoff hockey. Like they're they've always have been. That's that's their culture. The culture. Yeah, and even even when they don't have good regular seasons, they turn it up in the playoffs. So the fact that they're running at this built, they're running at this level before the playoffs. Like fuck. Like it's almost it's scary. It's are they, really are they going sixteen and zero in the playoffs? Like they might because they like that's the thing is they always turn it up. Come April, always, they're gonna turn this up. There's straight, there's, they're going to go 16 and 0. Yeah. Like, it, it, and the thing is, it's, it's not like, oh, they might turn it. They, it's an expectation for them. They will turn it up, yeah. right? They will be better than they are now in the playoffs. They are every single year. Yeah. So, uh, what do you do? <laughs> you, you do a strategic rebuild so you don't have to be bothered with any of this stuff for the next few years. <laughs> Okay, let's get into strategic rebuild time. There's been a little bit of news out of Montreal, so let's yeah. segue. Into that. Uh, so this morning, uh, the Habs traded uh, Evgeny Dadanov, retaining 50%, to the Dallas Stars for Denis Gurianov. So we swap out the 33-year-old uh, Dadanov for a 25-year-old, kind of a, a reclamation project, we'll call it, in Gurianov. Kind of has showed flashes of being good, but uh, was never able to kind of sustain it, really. Uh so I, I like this trade. Uh, we got a little younger. Uh, we got a bigger contract off the books. Uh, well, we're retaining for this half uh, for the last bit of the season here. But, like, you know, I think it's uh, a good little trade. And worst case scenario, if Gurianov doesn't work out, then, like, we would have lost uh, Dadnov as a free agent anyways. So low risk, yeah. high reward, potentially. So I don't hate it. Yeah, and Dadanov might help Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay, Dallas down the stretch, so might yeah. be a good move for them. Also, uh, anything else interesting happen in Habland before we get to all of the trade talk? 
Um, so it's just been confirmed that Arbor Jack Eye is out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, so he's actually going to see the same surgeon Caulfield saw a couple weeks ago. Um, Edmondson is hopefully uh, going to be back in the lineup uh, this week, uh, starting on Monday night or is it Tuesday night? Yeah, back in practice Monday, maybe playing on Tuesday. And it looks like Sean Monaghan will not be playing games this week, which means he will probably not be getting traded at the deadline. Yeah, that sucks for you guys. That would have been a nice little yeah. way to build and some capital. Especially considering the returns we saw for O'Reilly. Uh, you know, it would have been not a, quite at that level, but I definitely think the Habs could have got uh, like a uh, late first or a second for, their, for him for sure. Well, actually talking about the uh, return that St. Louis got for O'Reilly, I thought that the Washington return for Orlov and Achari was very, very similar. Almost identical, actually. Yeah. What? I feel like Washington got fleeced a little bit. Or Boston got, like, Boston got fleeced a little bit, I mean. Washington kind of took them to the cleaners. I would much rather have Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari than Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway. Like, much, much rather have those two. I'm looking um, at this objectively also. I think, yeah, but I think uh, what Boston really needs uh, is a defenseman, and Orlov's got playoff experience, plenty of it with Washington. So oh, he's a top-pairing guy, right? Yeah, so I definitely think, like, they didn't get entirely fleeced, but they definitely paid a premium, for sure. I just, I, I don't know, I... I was very surprised to see those two rep- returns being so similar for for the two players that got were going the other way. Yeah, that's that's all. I thought I thought the Leafs did a lot better than Boston did for for similar returns, and I think they did that strategically because now we're going to have a little bit more capital moving into this deadline here, a little bit more cap space available and i think they're going to make a move i don't know if it's going to be luke shen i don't know it's obviously not going to be barbashev he just got traded to vegas from st louis um i don't think it'll be Chikrin, but i think they're going to make a move to shore up that back end and i don't think it's going to be a top three or a top four guy i think it'll be a guy that's going to mix in every couple nights you know what i mean yeah. like a guy that'll take timmins or hole out of the lineup not a guy that's going to slot into your top pairing so yeah, well, and I don't. I don't think other than Chikrin, uh, I don't think there are guys kind of available. Even Orlov wasn't. Uh, he wasn't available for like a very long time. It was kind of he was on the market. A couple days later, traded. So like, I just I don't think there's anything there for that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Dubas has done crazy stuff before and just kind of made something out of nothing. So we'll see what happens. It'll be it'll be interesting for sure. So let's get into a little bit of uh, general trade discussion here. There's been some stuff happening. There's been some moves being made. Uh, there's also been not a lot happening in other places and players sitting out hockey games, uh, which is becoming more and more of an issue by the game, right? Like teams are not happy. Owners are not happy. Other owners are not happy that teams like, like Jacob Chikrin is a 25-year-old kid. Actually, He's not played age. in what, like... Two Almost weeks. 20 days. Yeah, like it's, you can't have that. You can't have that. They, they, that's, I saw, it was actually Dragger on TSN saying that what they really should do, and I, I agree with them, is you got to put a cap on it. If he's not traded in, in 48, 72 hours maybe, yeah. he's got to go back in the lineup if he's healthy. He has to. 
you can't have that. I talked about it last week, but the competitive, like, it takes away from the competitive competitiveness of a league. Imagine if you're a team that needs Arizona to beat a team for you to have a chance at a playoff spot, and then they take their best defenseman out of the lineup for trade-related reasons. How do you feel if you're that team on the cusp of a, cusp of a playoff spot? Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, I think, like, there has to be some sort of cap on it. Uh, I've seen, like, a couple guys get pulled and traded within a few days. I'm like, that's that's, that's okay. That's totally that's fair. That's okay. Luke like, Shen, is that that? If, yeah. That's another one. How is that allowed? Like, they played Boston last night, but they don't have their toughest, strongest defenseman in the lineup against the toughest, strongest team in the league. Yeah. yeah but no, it's just... Uh... You know what I mean? Like... As the Leafs, a team that's, we're not going to catch Boston, but as a team that's right behind Boston, second place to Boston, I would have liked to have seen Luke Shen in the lineup last night. That's yeah, 100%. I mean, like, yeah, like Jacob Chicken hasn't played in, like, almost three weeks. But, like, by the time the deadline hits, it'll be almost a month. Yeah. Like, that's unacceptable, especially for a young guy like that. Like, it's not yeah. like this is an old guy that's like, okay, I could use the time off, too. This is a kid who wants to play. Right. He's been injured for like and he's been told he's getting traded for two years. Like this has been going on for far too long. And like, so what happens if he doesn't get traded at the deadline? Like nobody meets the, the, the price that Arizona wants. Like, so you just sat him for three weeks for nothing. Literally for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. And you're and talking to a Jacob Chikrin fantasy owner right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even take that in consideration either. Yeah, yeah, no, I just think, like I said, if if it's a, uh, who was it, uh, Ottawa player, Tyler Mott, he was pulled from the lineup, yeah. was traded the next did. day. And yeah. it's like, yeah, like, that's that's fine. Because you that's said, okay. hey, we're not playing you tonight because we're literally, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's of the paperwork. Yeah. But, like, with Arizona, they haven't been crossing the I, you're crossing the T's and dotting the I's for three weeks. Yeah. Like, they've just been still shopping him. And at that point, he needs to be playing. Absolutely. And like, don't you want to show what he's worth? Like, don't you want him to be able to show his value? Yeah. Like he was injured like, for the first half of this season too. Like, cause even if he's he has played, like a banger like, of a game, games. imagine he goes and gets like a couple goals, a couple big hits, a couple assists over the course of a couple games. Like that's more value for you. That's, yeah. you know, that, now, you're, that now, might now instead of just a first and a third, you might get a first and a second, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I get it. You don't want the guy to get hurt. You're protecting your asset. I do understand it from that perspective. But there's so many other things to consider that yeah. these teams just seem to not consider. Yeah. You're, to me, you're decreasing his value holding him out of the lineup. 100%. It's like you're paying an insurance policy almost. That's what it is. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Anyway, let's move into a little bit of Patty Kane discussion, who... Still has not decided whether or not he wants to be traded out of Chicago. Uh, my understanding is he's only interested in going to the New York Rangers still. Yeah, so... No, not, literally report, will not waive for any other team. Yeah, the report last night came out that uh, that's basically the only place he wants to be traded to. Uh, and apparently they are trying to hammer out a deal, but I'm not sure. I mean, they've got a week to do it here, but I, I don't know. I think that's tough because you have to find a third party team to take some of that, uh, some of his cap too. So like, yeah, it's a, it'll be a complicated deal for sure. 
it would be very complicated. And I think everybody thought that that deal was kind of after they traded for Tarasenko, that was that yes. was it. There was no way that that could happen. But then I think honestly, what happened? Kyle Dubas uh, used Minnesota to broker that that trade for O'Reilly, and and New York kind of went wait just a second here. Maybe we can do this. Maybe we well, can do this. Especially because he he wants to play there, right? Like it's not like he's indifferent about playing that. He wants to be a New York Ranger, so. I think given the opportunity, you kind of have to take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially because you're going to lose him for nothing come the summer anyway, if you're Chicago. So you have to find a way to make that deal happen. They're going to retain a ton of salary too. Like Yeah, so they're retaining 50 easily. And then you're looking at another team probably retaining what will end up being 25%. Yeah, which will end up paying him, what, just over two and a half? It should be like two and a half to three, something in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would be horrifying if he was a member of the New York Rangers because they already have a very, very good forward group. Um, yeah, I think I still don't think that kind of uh, solves any problems for them. I think they're fine up front. I think they could definitely shore up their back end if uh, if anything. But like I said, given the opportunity to get Patrick Kane for 25% of his salary and probably well, not, a, not a crazy amount of assets. Like, so just hold on a second here. I'm I'm almost positive I saw this. Patrick Kane would be replacing Jimmy DC on their top line. Yeah, like that's an upgrade. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's an upgrade. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an upgrade. That's yeah. a little bit of uh upgrade. Yeah, so that and that's what I mean. Like when you, you you can't not take this opportunity if you're the New York Rangers. Exactly, exactly. And I, I'm not saying he's going to resign there. I don't know how much you would have to pay for him, especially considering you're the only team that can buy him, right? From New York, you're the only team he'll wave for. So I don't know what that price ends up being. It's definitely less because he's the only, he's that's the only place he'll go, yeah. right? So you're only going to get maybe a first and a prospect for him. And we're talking about Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, like, yeah. If this was the end, six first rounds and uh, like three starters. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the NHL is a wild place. And thanks, Gary, for the salary cap. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just it's just fantastic. Thanks, Gary. Uh, well, just remember, two, two firsts in this league gets you Barkley Goodrow. <laughs> like, but it won't get you Patrick Kane. No. Uh, but but it might also get but one first and a prospect. I'll probably I, I'll bet you like that's where I put over under a first and a prospect. Let's let's start doing betting segments on this show right now. <laughs> over uh, under I don't, a prospect. I don't know a lot about betting, but I'm gonna say over just because I feel like there might be a roster player involved. Okay. Just uh, to to clear up some cap for New York. Okay. Fair enough. Fair but enough. I mean, like when I say roster player, I mean like a Jimmy VC. You know what I mean? Like no one fucking. Yeah, like a PTO guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like, yeah, like well, he'll fit just great in Chicago, but yeah, yeah. Well, he'll yeah. go from like a bottom six guy in New York to a top line guy in Chicago. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Jimmy VC's on like their top line wing, man. That's crazy because I thought they were so much better than that. <laughs> but I mean, he's playing at a, a decently good level for them, and they're also getting. It's not like they're super reliant on that top line for all their offense. It's pretty spread out too. So I mean, it kind of yeah. you, you might not like this comparison, but it, it reminds me of bunting on the top line in Toronto last year, 
where it's like it doesn't have to be like a superstar player up there but if he's you know kind of facilitating things and doing a good job of his role like you know yeah uh is there anything else trade related you want to get to is there anything i'm forgetting um so it's come out in the last couple hours that the two teams left in the team O'Meyer race are the devils and uh vegas uh still i think it's still gonna be a super high price and he'll probably be the biggest name moved at the deadline or before but uh other than that there's not a lot else there's just been some kind of uh super minor trades so i nothing really worth talking about okay just something that i would like to touch on quickly was uh yep. craig Berube tearing apart the st louis blues after their loss to the vancouver canucks and then robert thomas retorting please tell me you saw this happen yeah weird one uh <laughs> never seen that before yeah and especially not like not so close like right after each other like usually it might be like a week or two later that you might hear like a player you know kind of make a comment but to come out basically like, the next night and be like yeah no like That's i don't know what he's talking shit. about yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's definitely definitely a weird one for sure but the blues are uh ripping it right down uh for a rebuild so i'm not surprised well, th- they're getting kind of shit results I, be- I believe the quote from Berube was, our best players don't give a shit. Yeah. Is that, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I think. But that, that was the gist of it, yeah. Bro, your GM traded your best players. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, well, I mean, the best, the best players left don't give a shit. And who are the best players? Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas? Well, my, my thinking is, you know, they kind of are right to not give a shit in the sense that you're a seller at the deadline. Like your season's over. Clearly. Yeah. Like, you you know, and that that's, that's fine. Right. Like that's just, that's the position they're in. You can't do much about so it. So is half of the fucking league at this point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like, so I definitely get where they're coming from as players. If, if they don't care as much because yeah, your season's over, you're trading all your best players. Like, Oh well, focus on next year, right? But to get called out for it, uh, and then kind of you know clap back at your coach—not a great look for for either side. Not good at all. Like I just I I, especially the position they're in. Like why did he even say? Why did Barubi even come out and say that? Like you just lost a game, man. You're supposed to lose games. Like that's yeah. where you should be trying to lose games at this point, Craig. Like, I know, like, that's not how you probably think. You're an old school guy, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you're not doing... I just, I don't understand the point of coming out and making that big of a statement against your own players. Like, to me, that that, that speaks more about Craig Berube than the players. Because I think he's on his way out now. He just, oh, he just I think, built a rift in that locker room like you've never seen before. Yeah, and I definitely think, like, if he wants to have that conversation in the room, totally acceptable. You can do that. Publicly, though. Yeah, but yeah, to to take out, you know, to to air your dirty laundry in public like that. Um, yeah, considering the position they're in, like you're not getting anything from the rest of the season. Like, why are you just, you know, ripping holes in the core of what's going to be your rebuild? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The young guys too, like the guys they just signed to massive deals, like <laughs> like 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 called them out by their salary, like says these guys make a lot of money like you actually brought the salary into this yeah like for what reason i have no idea like that was just uncalled for in my opinion but 
hundred percent. That's just my opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> so, anyway, that's about that. That's the last thing I wanted to touch on. I saw that yesterday, and I thought that was a really, really strange, uh, strange encounter. Is there anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we get to the Leafs and Habs schedules for the week? Um, I don't believe so. I think that was pretty much everything. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, I'll tee up the Leaf schedule for the week. There is a game tonight releasing at the same time as, or it will be on at the same time as this podcast release, 7 p.m. in Seattle. be an afternoon game on the West Coast. It'll be a 7 p.m. game here. It'll be very nice to see. Um, we are going on our Western swing now, so it'll be Seattle tonight. We have the Oilers on Wednesday, Flames on Thursday, and the Canucks on Saturday. So that will be a, uh, to be honest with you, it's nice to see four games in a week. It feels like we haven't had a four-game week in a month. So it's, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching Leafs hockey this week for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so the Habs are also at West doing California. So we've got the Sharks on Tuesday night, Kings on Thursday, and the Ducks on Friday. And then uh, an afternoon game on the Sunday against the Vegas Golden Knights. I love a good afternoon game sometimes. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. The matinees, they speak to me. 100%. There's, there's nothing better than like waking up in the morning on the weekend, making a good lunch, and watching some puck. And the thing is, you, then you end up watching puck literally all day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Un, unrivaled. The best. The best. Um, so... If you'll excuse us, we have to go play hockey ourselves. We're going to go to the outdoor rink and um, show some 12-year-olds who's boss, you know, give them the business. <laughs> uh, so that's the plan for us for the day. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode when it does drop at 7 p.m. Thank you for listening through a full, what are we at here, almost 40 minutes of us talking. Um so thank you very much. Thank you to the Game Entertainment and Media for uh, sponsoring and hosting us. I guess not sponsoring. They don't pay us. But anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for hosting us on your platform. Uh, check out all of their content. You'll find that on the Game Sports Show, the Game Entertainment and Media, uh, YouTube channels and website. Um, and we are off. We will talk to you next week after a four-game Leafs week. And how many Habs games did you say? Uh, three. Three. So we'll have lots to talk about next week. Until then, for episode 86 next week. See, we're so bad at this. 87 next week. 87 next week. We will talk to you then. Thanks for listening.